0: Welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today I have a Christmas sermon to read to you from St. Vincent Ferrer. This will be the last show we do for about two weeks, and then I'll come back with a regularly scheduled show with no more me reading to you. I don't know if you like it, if you hate it, if you hate it, you hate it. then let me know. If you like it, let me know. Uh, you can do that by emailing me at Production at gmail.com or sending me a message uh, or commenting on down below if you're watching on YouTube. Other than that, I'm going to throw you right into interview. I don't want to waste too much more of your time. Uh, God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. And be sure to share this beautiful sermon by St. Vincent Ferrer with your friends and family. And be sure to listen to it a couple times. Uh, I'm going to listen to this myself a couple times because it really gets... It has a very lot of of depth to it, and I definitely didn't understand it my first time reading through it. It took me a couple times, and I'm still getting more from it every time I listen to it and read it again. Anyway, God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year to you, and I look forward to having many more shows in the coming year. We might change things up a bit. I have a couple ideas, and I'll run them by you and see what you think. Uh, Without further ado, here is the sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer for Christmas Day. Praise be to Jesus Christ, and we're going to give to you today a sermon from St. Vincent Ferrer on the Christmas Day, on Christmas Day sermon. And, you know, just so you know, just a quick, quick biography of St. Vincent Ferrer. He was an amazing saint who had visions of the saints, who had uh, performed miracles, who sprouted wings, who did amazing things, converted entire synagogues of Jews and mosques of Muslims. Amazing, amazing evangelist. And this is one of his sermons I'm going to read to you today. And uh, hopefully, you will like it and uh, we help you meditate upon this today and the days leading up to Christmas. So, without further ado, let me give you the sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer. This day is born to you a Savior. Our sermon will be about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in the virgin birth. And but that you might sense the spiritual sweetness of the feast, we shall salute the glorious Mother of God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. There is born to us, from the beginning of the world up to the birth of Christ, there has never been heard such good news, nor so useful for mankind like the news of the proposed theme. This day is born to you a Saviour. To all who are lost and damned and sentenced to hell, the declaration of the Blessed Nativity I deal with in five conclusions. One, first, that this Blessed Nativity was from of old, ardently desired by the saints. Second, that this Blessed Nativity was cruelly unappreciated by the Jews. Third, that this Blessed Nativity was celebrated powerfully by God. Fourth, that this Blessed Nativity was humbly hidden by the Virgin Mary. And fifth, that this blessed nativity was broadcast publicly by the angels, saying, This day is born to you a Savior. And anyone who curiously might wish to preach all five conclusions would be excessively prolix. And all are touched in this theme, in which there are five conditions. The first, therefore, is touched by the first saying. The second is the second, the third is the third, and so on for the others. Number 1. The Long Desired I say first that this blessed nativity was ardently desired of old by holy persons, and that you might understand better this condition, listen to this story. You should know that there was a certain great and noble city, well populated, which was cruelly under siege by enemies, attacking it with every kind of weapons, to the extent that it was already running low on provisions. The longer the siege went on, and nor were the enemies willing to take them alive or to grant any mercy, what moreover, they killed them at once. Aware of this, the king and lord of the city secretly sent messengers and letters to the city, telling them that he will come, and personally, to free them when he was able. The citizens were very happy about this, and were eagerly expecting his arrival any day. And rightly so, of this world, this great and noble city was and is human nature. We can number how many citizens there were and how many dwellings in her. From Adam up to the birth of Christ. Since, according to some teachers, more than 5,000 years have passed who were besieged daily by cruel enemies, namely by countless demons, attacking it with diverse temptations, with catapults, pains, and sufferings. Since they were lacking the spiritual food about which Christ said, Not in bread alone does man live, but in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Although they had the Mosaic law, it did not give eternal life, nor did they drink the promise of spiritual gifts which refresh the soul. And when someone went out of the city through death, immediately without mercy he was captured and imprisoned in the prison of hell. However, God, the Lord of this world, wished to comfort the citizens, secretly sent messengers to them, the holy patriarchs and prophets, with his letters announcing to them that he himself personally would come to liberate them. Many citizens rejoiced over this, and city dwellers sent him supplications, devout prayers, that he would come and liberate the city. First came Moses saying to God the Father, I beseech you, Lord, send whom you will send, as you have promised. Second, David, on behalf of the whole city, says, Lord, stir up your might, and come to save us. Third, Solomon, saying in the Holy Spirit, Send her out of your holy heaven, and from the throne of your majesty, that she may be with me, and may labor with me. Against your enemies, note, send her, namely, the person of Christ in human flesh, which is sent by the Father and the Holy Ghost, in respect to humanity. Fourth, Isaiah, saying, Would that you would grin the heavens, and would come down. Others were saying, Come, O Lord, and tarry not. Forgive the sins of your people Israel. The king, however, having heard these supplications, sent a messenger in secretly to the city, who would have say on his behalf, it, If he shall appear at the end, and shall not lie, if he make any delay, wait for him, for he shall surely come, and he shall not be slack. Behold all how ardently he was desired, and according to Augustine they would say, When shall he come? When shall he be born? When would he appear? Do you think I shall see it? Do you think I shall endure? Do you think his birth will find me here? Oh, if only my eyes shall behold the one whom the eyes of the heart have revealed. Oh, if only my eyes shall see what I believe in the writings of God. And the closer he approached, so much the more was he desired. He begins the path of coming on the day of his conception. So he was most fervently desired by the Blessed Virgin, His mother and St. Joseph, who daily checked off the calendar yearning to see the day of his entry into this world. The Virgin carried him nine months and six days, which are 277 days. Thus, in the person of Christ, Holy Scripture says, I myself also am a mortal man, like all others. And in the womb of my mother I was fashioned, and the figure of man to be flesh in the time of of ten months. Because of this, The Virgin Mary and Joseph, knowing his coming, was near prepared themselves for receiving him devoutly. The Virgin prepared woolen and linen wrappings, as women do when they close to childbirth. Joseph purchased an ox so that he he could have a great feast on the birth of the child. But in the meantime, says Luke, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. So Augustus wished to enroll the world because he wanted to know how many provinces there were How many cities and how many people note the great sadness of Joseph when he heard the edict of the emperor, that under penalty of death, everyone must proceed to the city of their birth. Joseph, who was of the city of Bethlehem of the tribe of David, began to weep, saying, Oh, woe, if I go to Bethlehem, I shall not see that blessed birth so long desired by the saints. If I do not go, I'll be disobedient and will be killed. And too, I shall not see the aforesaid birth. "'Sadly, he went home. "'The Virgin Mary comforting him as a wife should do, saying, "'Oh, Father, what are you worried about? "'You should rejoice because a Savior is about to be born soon.' "'Then Joseph told the Virgin Mary about the edict of the emperor "'and the reason for his sadness. "'The Virgin replied, Father, do not weep, "'because for your comfort I shall go with you, "'for I am also of the offspring of David.' Joseph on the one hand rejoiced saying that rejoiced that the virgin would wish to go but on the other hand he wondered what people would say that he was talking that he was taking with him a young pregnant woman so near to childbirth also what if she gives birth on the way the virgin replied to him father do not worry about what people will say because your intention is good it is the will of god that we go to bethlehem because the savior is to be born there according to the prophecy of micah and you bethlehem Ephrata, are a little place in the kingdom of Judea. Out of you shall come forth one who to be the ruler of Israel. The Virgin Mary knew the Bible better than the prophet, as Origen said. They prepared themselves and left the town of Nazareth, the virgin riding on a donkey, and Joseph leading the ass and the ox. Behold the queen of paradise, and those she was traveling with. Then was fulfilled the prophecy of Haggai on this event, saying, Yet one moment... And I will move the heaven and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will move all nations, and desired of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Note one moment, because it was only a moment of time, from the prophet Haggai until Christ. And I move the heaven... When he speaks of the immovable, inferior heaven, St. Thomas says in the Prima Pars that when some angel receives a revelation from God, immediately he reveals it to the others so that nothing there is kept a secret. So the archangel Gabriel in the holy court of the Trinity which he had the revelation of the incarnation and the nativity of the Son of God, about which he was the messenger, immediately revealed it to all the others. And so the heavens moved out of joy and rejoicing and dancing because of the reparation of the fall. So I will move the earth, the Virgin Mary is called, the virginal earth, who is to produce the fruit of life, who was moved by the angel's salutation when troubled at his saying, thought within herself what manner of salutation this should be then i shall move the sea and the dry land when from the edict of the emperor the peoples would proceed to their sites some by the sea some by land and shall come then shall come the desired of all the ages so much for the first conclusion cruelly unappreciated the second conclusion says that this that this blessed nativity was cruelly unappreciated by the jews history says that when joseph and the virgin were in the city of bethlehem they found no hospitality nor any house nor hospice that was willing to receive them. Three reasons are alleged for this. First, because they were the last to arrive, and they had to go slowly on the way. So whoever came last often seems to be angry. Secondly, although the city of Bethlehem was small, it nevertheless teemed with many in military service, and citizens, and nobles, all who were of the tribe of David, who had been born in the city. They had many reservations in advance for their lodgings. A third reason was avarice of the hot, of the hotelers. When they got a look at Joseph, the poor man with his pregnant wife, thought that they would fill up a whole room, and that they would be a little profit from them. Most likely, when Joseph entered through the gate of the city, when the virgin riding on the donkey, he would head immediately to the first inn, lest he would have passed would have to pass through the whole city, seeking whether they might find a place there. When they asked who and how many were in the party, they saw there were only two. With an ox and an ass, thinking we will learn little, they told them to move on because there is no place here for you. At the next inn, the answer was that there was no vacancies. Imagine Joseph's anxiety here and the shame of the Virgin Mary, thus going from door to door. But, but the Virgin patiently put up with it and comforted Joseph. Finally, they came to another inn, where they said that all was full for such a gentleman and for expectant one. Seeing that they couldn't buy lodging, Joseph searched that out of love of God, some private home would take in the pregnant woman nearer to childbirth. But he did not find one in the whole city. And so they said to him, Old man, you are indeed concerned about your wife, but why did you put her in the situation so pregnant? And the poor man wept, at which the virgin said, Father, let us be patient, we shall find some hospital. So they looked for a hospital, seeing if they might be received out of love of God. The nurse replied, You are healthy, and this house is for the sick. You are not able to be received here, and so spare us. Since the hour was late, and they had not found a place, Joseph said, O Lord, these are my sins. Then they found a cave along a public road, in which there was a manger, where visitors sometimes stabled their animals. The virgin said, Father, we shall stay here, because it is not right to go through the village at this hour. Joseph said, "Oh woe! We shall never find a house. The Virgin Mary said, Father, the whole world is the house of God, so let us stay here. Then Joseph, with the greatest reverence, assisted the Virgin from the donkey and entered the refuge. And Joseph rolled out a blanket, which he had brought on the donkey as a tent for privacy, and he went to buy some straw and charcoal because of the cold. And from a little straw he made a bed for the Queen of Heaven, saying, O Lord, what will you say to me that I have placed your mother... In such a bed. And in this place they stayed for at least thirteen days. The gloss on St. Matthew chapter 2 said that the kings from the east found Christ the king still there in that cave. Behold the palace of the queen of paradise. Behold how the glorious birth was little appreciated by the Jews. God had revealed this to Jeremiah the prophet, who weeping said in the person of the Jews, We have sinned against thee, O expectation of Israel. The Savior thereof is in time of trouble. Why will you be a stranger in the land as a mighty wayfaring man turning into lodge? Why will you be as a wandering man, as a mighty man that cannot save? Thus this prophecy was fulfilled. So much for the second conclusion. A moral aside, who of you does not know now in his heart? Oh, if I had been there then and had known him, I would have received him into my home. Would you that... Would, would that you would not be in the same condemnation or cruelty with the Jews. Have you ever today seen a pregnant young woman in this village with Joseph and never took them in? The consecrated host which the priest brings forth, like Joseph, is the virgin pregnant with the Son of God. Who of you receives him by communicating devoutly? None, I believe. With sincere reflection, you should prepare for yourself the home of your conscience through contrition, confession, and satisfaction." Many excuse themselves like the Bethlehemites, saying, I have to welcome a great soldier, namely Sir Chicken, Lord Kid, and Master Pig. Another says, I have to receive a great and noble lady named Lady Hen." Another made him partridge, etc. But they do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, about which John in the gospel said, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them power to be made the sons of God. A mighty birth. The third conclusion says that the blessed nativity came about through the celebrated powers of God. The Virgin Mary stayed in that cave, as it is said, between the cattle. In that middle of the night, the hour for her delivery arrived, the Virgin Mary sensed that not like other women, who before they feel the onset of childbirth have pains, miseries, and sufferings in the body, and their faces are distorted. The Virgin Mary had other signs, special inspirations, consolations, and heartfelt sweetness with exquisite pleasure more than others. And her face was radiant. Joseph, seeing this, said, Blessed, what is happening? She replied, Father, now the hour of my childbirth is at hand. Joseph got up immediately so that he might sin for, for the midwives. But the Virgin stopped him, saying, Father, just as for his conception, no creature did anything so neither for his birth. Joseph then said, Blessed neither you or I are expert in this. The virgin said, Father, don't worry, because God the Heavenly Father will provide. And so the book of the infancy of the Savior, which states that there were women who had been condemned by the decree of Pope Pelagius. No midwife assisted at his birth. No woman's officiousness intervened. But suddenly, like the ray of the sun, passes through a glass window without breaking it. So Christ, the Son of Justice, passed through the gate of her virginal womb without any breaking or corruption, like a bridegroom from his chamber. The virgin received him into her own hands and on her knees with great reverence and veneration, adoring him, saying, O Lord, you indeed have come from heaven to earth for the salvation of men. O Lord, desired by the holy patriarchs and prophets, I adore you because as God you are my creator, as human you are my son. And she kissed him first on the feet as God, and next on his mouth as a son, and then on the hands as the creator of all things, and finally on his face as her son, saying, O oh Lord, you have given me such a grace. And she adored him a hundred times over. And as someone has reported, she said, You are the Lord my God, you are my Redeemer, you are my beloved son. Ambrose, O oh blessed virgin, who can open the treasure of your heart to us? Here you adore your child as God, and here you kiss him as a son. Joseph, weeping for joy, said, Blessed, permit me to adore your son, the long-desired son of God. How he adored him, saying, O Lord, you have granted me such a grace. Kings and prophets wished to see you, and they did not see. And to me, a sinner, you have given such a grace that I should see you. Then the infant began to cry because of the cold. Joseph immediately warmed the blankets, and the virgin wrapped him. Then Joseph wanted to call for a wet nurse, but the virgin again stopped him. Joseph said, Blessed, what are you doing? For you do not have milk. Doctors say that from the same root comes milk and children. So a woman who does not know man does not have milk. The virgin replied, Father, God, will, father, God shall provide. Then the virgin on her knees prayed God, the father saying, God, the father, you and I have one son in common. So you who provide for all creatures ought to provide some milk for him. Then suddenly her breasts were filled with milk, sent to her from heaven. So the church says the virgin, not knowing man without pain, gives birth to the Savior of the ages. The virgin herself with full breast nursed the very king of the angels. So much for the third conclusion. Humble and hidden. The fourth conclusion states that the blessed nativity happened to a virgin. Humble and hidden. History says that as soon as Christ was born, his body shone like the rising sun, and the night became as midday, and so it was light. Think how many who were not sleeping and wandering about such a brightness sought to see the source of the light and ran towards such a great spectacle of light. The virgin sensing the excitement of people placed the child in the manger. Jews came to see the source of light. Some of them said prophecy says that when the Messiah will be born, night shall be light as day. Others asked if this might be he. Some said, be quiet, don't make make much of it. If Herod finds out, he will kill us. So that out of fear of Herod, they did not dare receive the Messiah king. Of this light, the prophet said, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. To them that dwelt in the region of the shadow of death, of the sin of ingratitude, a light has risen for them. You have multiplied the nation to see the light and have not increased the joy, because no one brought him or the virgin a gift. Of that light, it is said, it is pointed out when it is said, and it follows, For a child is born to us and a son is given to us, not the Father nor the Holy Spirit." Here the question is raised, why did the Blessed Virgin place her son in the manger between the beast? But if, what if the ox with horns or the donkey with teeth had attacked? St. Luke wishes to excuse the Virgin, saying she laid him in a manger because there is no room for him for them in the inn, in this cave. But one might respond to St. Luke, could not the Virgin have given birth without pain and suffering place or position him in her arms or on her breasts? Why put him between animals? The response is for three reasons. First, to fulfill the scriptural truth. Second, to alleviate bodily needs. And third, to teach us a moral lesson. As for the first, it is prophesied that he would be placed between the animals and humbly be adored. Think what kind of joy the blessed virgin had when she her son adored by an ox and an ass how sad when she how sad when she saw him ignored by the jews and so was fulfilled the prophecy of isaiah saying hear o ye heavens and give and give ear o earth for the lord hath spoken i have brought up children and exalted them but they have despised me the ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib but israel has not known me Bodily needs, as for the second reason, you have already seen how cold it could be at that time. Think if the Virgin Mary was cold, because we do not read that they brought linen coats. For this reason, she placed her child in the manger, so that the animals might warm him with their breath. As as it was revealed by Habakkuk, the prophet, who said this, Lord, I have heard your voice, and I have feared. Lord, I have considered your work in the middle of two animals, you shall be known." The moral lesson, as for the third reason, the virgin does this so that he might be instructed in good morals. An ox is a great animal having two big horns, which signify the temporal lords and rulers of the community. The donkey, which carries burden, signifies peasants and subjects. And the virgin places her son in the middle, pointing out that all can indeed be saved by the saving justice of the Lord. And that not by hatred, nor by love, nor by fear, nor by bribes, they give unjustly. Vassals, too, by giving faith, obedience, and reverence for their lords. Second, the ox is a clean animal, which in olden times was sacrificed to God. So it symbolizes the priest, who offers sacrifice to God. The simple as signifies the, la- the laity. The virgin places her son between them, implying that all can be saved. Third, the ox, which does not bear burdens. This signifies the rich who do not labor with their hands. The as signifies the workers, if they be patient. Fourth, the ox which has horns signifies devout and holy people. Two horns are true prudence or adherence to the faith and prompt obedience to commandments. The surely as signifies sinners, who, if they are repentant, can be saved. Fifth, the ox which chews the cud and has divided hooves signifies the learned masters and doctors who ruminate by studying and the divided hooves mean they have knowledge of the Old and the New Testament. The as signifies the ignorant, Christ is placed in the middle, and the text of David confirms it. Men and beasts you will preserve, O Lord. O how you have multiplied your mercy, O God. Note men, both powerful and powerless, both learned and rich, and and draft animals, crude sinners and the ignorant, shall be saved by the Lord. Open Proclaim the fifth conclusion says that the blessed nativity was openly proclaimed by the angels when they appeared to the shepherds, telling the good news: for this day is born this to you a savior who is Christ the Lord, in the city of David. Saint Luke writes a little story and told about the angels at the birth of Christ. That God the Father from heaven, while he was throwing a big party over the birth of Christ, sent to them to earth. Sent them to earth so that they there might be a feast here also. This blessed nativity was revealed to the watching shepherds, not to the sleeping emperor Octavian, nor in Jerusalem to the masters and teachers, nor to the priests, but to the shepherds singing their songs. Why this? Bernard says that shepherds have five qualities in which it's shown to which persons God reveals his secrets and gives his glory. First, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks, in which it is shown the shepherds both temporal and ecclesiastical ought to watch over the flock committed to them lest they be devoured by the wolves, of especially notorious sin. Because the community is not punished for secret sins. To such shepherds, God reveals his glory and grace. Secondly, they play their flutes harmoniously, in which is shown that to devout and peaceful persons who play music through their prayers and supplications, God reveals his grace and glory. Third, because they were in the desert, and the harshness of penance, where eating and drinking and sleeping was hard in which it is shown that to those who live in the rigors of penitence, God reveals his grace and glory. Fourthly, because they were poor men, so Christ says, but woe to you that are rich, for you have your consolation. And fifthly, because they were simple men, they despised no one. To such God gives his grace. Authority of Christ, I confess to you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and have revealed them to the lowly ones." In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this beautiful and wonderful sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer. I highly recommend you listen to this over and over again. It will definitely be up online for you to listen to again. And this is a beautiful, beautiful sermon to start meditating, starting today and every day leading up to the Christmas day and during the Christmas season, which leads all the way to Candlemas, which I believe is February 2nd. So praise be to God. God bless you. God love you. Merry Christmas to you. Have a happy new year. Praise be to God in all things. Here, Uh, let's... Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Let's close out in a prayer real quick. I forgot to add the Hail Mary at the end right there. So I'm going to add it in right now. And we'll, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, or positivities, or anything in between, you can email me at Fonseca production at gmail.com. That's Fonseca F O N S E C A production at gmail.com. Or you can comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. And honestly, that's the best place to reach out to me with because I check there and I reply there very quickly. And Share this with whoever you think would like this, like, and subscribe, and uh, that's about it. I think I, I hit everything, so there you go. God bless you. God love you, and let's pray in Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus vendris tui Jesus, Santa Maria mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc, et in ora mortis nostri, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.